Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone trying to find us out there, we're on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's and on Facebook at the same name, uh, I believe, still. So if everyone's out there, obviously, Instagram is our, our main social media platform. It just is easier for us to use, and it's a filter for us to filter questions in for the podcast as well as talk to and um, communicate with potential people we have on the podcast. So today I have with us, and everyone knows San Francisco holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, I've spent a lot of time there. Uh, the last 24 years uh, with food and business and stuff. So I know the city well, especially South San Francisco from a business standpoint. So um, I have with us today, Adam Mesnick of Deli Board in San Francisco. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to chat. So Adam, let's, I mean, we can get into San Francisco in a little bit, but first I want to sort of talk about your background okay so let's talk about what get up to what deli board is because everyone can look it up if you're looking on instagram while we're talking about the podcast you're going to want to go to at deli board sf on instagram i just talked about its main platform but that's really where you know i feel there's an art here and we'll get into it later about how if you can't taste the food but you can get people to see it you could they can almost taste it and you've done a very good job of that so adam let's sort of talk about your background how you became in this space how you started the food business and then go from there well it's a uh, it's a complicated tale so um i've i've worked um you know for probably about 40 years now so um i'm approaching the, the ripe age of 50 so I, I, I took to kitchens at a very young age and cooking. Um, so the first thing is that ultimately I'm a chef. Um, deli board is really an upscale, uh, kind of an, an evolved deli. And I would say it's more newish than Jewish. Um, and as time has gone on, it's, become yet a a very a a very special place to me um deli board started in 2009 and i was a um i i'm gonna call myself a flunky but i don't mean that in any other way but um i was a mortgage wholesale salesperson that fell out in the 2008 2009 um residential real estate crash yeah um so i ended up having to scramble and find a career and my career um was going to be aligned with my happiness and my first career as a mortgage professional selling loans was a little bit of a kind of a uh a turn off of my traditional lane and the traditional lane was cooking restaurants, food. Um, I had served in restaurants and bus tables since I was about 10 or 11 years old. So I had also spent a lot of time in kitchens. My family, uh, my, my mom's husband growing up was a restaurateur. So I had 
firsthand knowledge of what it was like to be in a restaurant. And I would probably say that anyone who's worked in a restaurant or that works at a restaurant knows that there's a bug. It's a restaurant bug. Yeah, no kidding. System. It's really hard to get out of your system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a good way to describe it. I've never heard it that way, though it's very put very simply and straightforward. So it's yeah, it's happens. You can't get out of the food once you're in it. I don't know how to describe it, but anyway, well, there's, a, there's lots of reasons there, right? There's there's flexibility in schedule. Um, you know, there's lots of passion in food. Service is very gratifying. Um, and it's, it's instant gratification, right? Like it's one of the, what, yeah. one of the one industries that you serve the food and really the gratuity is kind of the merit for what you've done. Um, and there's a lot of instant gratification there. There's a lot of, there's, it's, it's high speed. So people like that type of travel, but on top of it, there's a lot of partying. So I yeah. feel like there's a lot of kids I'll say kids that never grew up that can kind of stay in the restaurant industry for their entire life and kind of blend under the radar and party a lot Um, because partying is kind of widely acceptable. Now for me, um, you know, when I started, it was, it was going to be a wholesale catering business. I had aspirations to be the next biggest caterer slash food wholesaler in San Francisco. My intentions were not retail storefront. So one thing to remember, if we're talking about planning, um, you know, you have to have a plan in place, but you also have to be ready and adapt with the times. And my business um, and myself, one thing that we've always been skilled at is adapting to the changes in the times. So now, uh, Adam, could I interrupt you for a second? I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So let I want to just turn back the clock for a second. I'm sorry. What is your background? Have did you grow up in San Francisco? Because like I feel like there's a New York touch to what's going on here, but I'm not. I can't put my finger on it. So uh, have you always Close. been in 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 San Francisco? I have only been, I've been in San Francisco for 21 years now. So I have been here for exactly 21 years this October. Um, I was born in Cleveland. Okay. Um, I was born in 1974 in Cleveland. And in 1992, I went to the University of Kansas for college. And I graduated from the University of Kansas and moved back to Cleveland in 1997 and moved to San Francisco in 2001. When I moved to San Francisco, I had a job in finance, and I worked for a company that was technologically moving faster than any other mortgage company in the country. Mm. And it was a great fit for me to move to San Francisco, which was very tech-savvy. So... I landed here 21 years ago, but I had half of the time that I was here, I had a career in finance. And then, of course, the rest of the time, I had been working to fuel and create Delhi Board. 
Yeah, because I felt that there was, I don't know, in your background and what we're going to get to and just to tee up the audience, there's this sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but when you're in food, you get a taste of cities. And I said New York, but and I, I don't know Cleveland as well as I probably should, but I, I believe it's probably the same that there's still these at-home, like mom-and-pop stores that are so tied into their communities, um, at least in a lot of ways. But anyway, go on, because you mentioned working in a restaurant in your father's business. So that was or your mom's boyfriend's or husband's business. I didn't quite catch right. it. But so I assume that was in Cleveland, which is obviously a more blue-collar town than San Francisco is currently. And so, which is why attracted to tech-savvy in San Francisco, there's no better place to go. So anyway, I'm sorry, Adam. I just, uh, this is a really cool thing, and I just want to tie it all together to help populate the story or um, pollinate it because I think it's so important to where we're getting to. So anyway, go on. No, and I... I, you know, as, and as time goes on and the story evolves again and I adapt, one thing that I've learned is that I have some success and some knowledge in the financial world, which I brought into the food world, which has helped me create a certain level of success. Now, I don't really do much other than cook now for the business. I have grown to the point where I have you know, a CPA and a bookkeeper and a payroll person, you know, I only, I am fortunate enough to get to focus on what I love to do, which is cook. Now I, again, when I left my former career, mm -hmm. I sold my property short, lost pretty much everything. I cashed in my 401k when I was 34 years old or 35 years old at a major tax hit just to start deli board. Now, Deli board, because of, of my passion for food, I have been able to focus on that part. Now, you can't neglect this aspect. And I think that's one part of entrepreneurial ventures that is missed. You can be a tremendous artist or cook or painter or sculptor or anything that you want to do, but you still have to manage the business. You still have to build relationships. You still have to do all of the things that create an atmosphere of success and sustainability. And I think that a lot of what I learned in my background was very, very integral in my ability to function as a cook in a real business atmosphere to be able to adapt, to be able to continue to create. Um, and, and now you have, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, Deli Board has the aesthetics of what I believe to be the finest sandwich in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, so what I've been able to focus on is aesthetics taste and experience and i don't have the opportunity because my my space is small i'm in san francisco um the aesthetic of the space it's kind of like now we've adapted to to, to new covid ro regulations so it's sort of carry out only there's really nowhere to sit but what's most important to me is creating an experience 
And my only opportunity to create an experience for people is to feed them the sandwich. Yeah. And so let's talk about this. So you're now, you get into the deli space, but you, you initially wanted to be, you know, Adam, you know, Messina Catering, for example. I don't know what you were going to call it, but that's what you were going to build around. And you built into a, you know, a sandwich, which is, I think is outstanding. And the reason I asked about New York is because, well, even in Philadelphia or wherever we have just such unique sandwiches in every city, like they're just, it's part of what it is, whether it's Pittsburgh and fries on the sandwich. So it just had that feel of like giant sandwich, like we do on the East coast, for example, or I'm in Colorado now, but used to, I'm an East coaster originally. So it's, it feels like that to me. So how do you decide to go from caterer and this dream to pivot into what is deli board, which I will, I agree with you. And if anyone looks on Instagram or online, what you're doing with sandwiches is fantastic. And just so anyone else knows, I really love cheeseburgers are like my favorite, but it's still part of a sandwich to me. So sandwich is my favorite food group by far. And so I'm very excited about this. So anyway, caterer to sandwich, like so, superstar. Um, so the way that, the way that evolution happened and I'm not going to give up on you, but as time went on, I was, uh, you know, working wholesale commercial kitchen, um, for about a year and a half. And, what really deli board is is an invention and um what looked and resembled a lot like jewish deli exactly what you're thinking the new york style uh the los angeles style and the cleveland style in chicago now jewish deli which has always been struggling in my opinion since i've been a kid but jewish deli um was what it looked like it looked like the rye bread pastrami corned beef um, it looked like bagels and smoked fish and it looked exactly like those Jewish delis. Now what happened, I could not figure out. And I was trying to find a way after the catering events to make sure that I had no waste. And what San Francisco has is this tremendous bread and yeah. San Francisco is not necessarily it, it doesn't have bread. It's not bread created for sandwiching. It's more for dipping in mussels and chipino and eat clams. And you dip the, the, the beautiful sourdough. It's really crusty. Think Tartine Bakery. I'm a plug Tartine, but an amazing bakery in San Francisco. But the bread is just unbelievable for dipping in things that aren't sandwiches. Now, there is some... Also, there's these amazing rolls that they make here. So really, deli board, the sandwiches, you have to think Jewish deli meats, but you have to think like rolls that you would get at an amazing bakery. But they're, I use a long French roll and a Dutch crunch roll, and I use bread that wouldn't necessarily be used for sandwiching, and we transformed it into sandwiches so the meat and the cheese kind of met the rolls and the rolls are what you see currently is deli board sandwiches now when i created that and i in let's say i invented that 
sandwich, the deli board sandwich, I then said, wow, this is something good. Let's see if we can push this product. So at the time in my commercial wholesale kitchen, I launched a bike delivery messenger service of just sandwiches and soups. So in 2010, I had four or five bike messengers and I said, here's a menu, go pass it out, tell them we're making the best sandwiches in the world. And the rest is history. And so do you still use the bike messengers? I don't. So when we moved to the current space that I'm in, which was a retail facility, I picked a couple avenues. I continue to do catering and I continue to do wholesale soup. And we, we started the retail operation at the current location that I'm in, in, in October of 2011. So a lot happened from 2009 to 2011, very, very quickly, a lot of innovation, a lot of growth, a lot of movement. Um, and then since we've, obviously adapted to the times wholesale soup um which became the focus eventually in 2012 or 13 went away catering lasted all the way up until covid and that covid wiped out the catering business which at the time was probably 40 or 50 percent of what i did so a lot of what covid covid's effect on deli board uh, immediately was the catering business, which went, uh, really went away. Wow. And so what did, like, so you go through this adjustment, you mentioned that you ha- no longer have people eating in your facility since COVID. So talk to me about that transition. Do you use delivery services now? Um, in yeah, exchange- so COVID, go ahead. COVID changed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, 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 go no, no. That's good. I'll ask the next question. Go ahead. COVID. Yeah. COVID. COVID really kind of put a nail in my business. Um, you know, the, we, we lost our, you know, a lot of the bread and butter was catering. It was very consistent. It was very, um, you knew what was happening. A lot of the businesses that I had on delivery were, um, you know, long-term clients, you know, big banks and big financial institutions, as well as tech people. Uh, but all sorts of people. I fed a lot of people. Um, it's amazing how many people I fed in, in my career at this point. But, uh, in, in terms of the transition, we were immediately forced to shut down indoor dining. Now, indoor dining for me was not table service. It was just eight tables filling my current space with chairs. And if you ordered, you could get it for here or you can get it to go. Um, but that changed immediately. We, we were forced to use uh, the front entry as a uh, pickup service and you would order at the front and you would get your food in the front. Everybody waits outside. Now we have not changed that. We've stuck with that system and it, it, it works pretty well for us for, for a handful of reasons. Um, but we were forced to pick up where catering left off and uh, retail became the main focus. Um, Obviously we went through some very challenging times um, 
I, my business was saved by the, you know, by the PPP loans. And um, we closed for various emergencies. But I think what one thing, and I think this is probably probably just a struggle in general for deli and, and food in general. But when you do a tremendous amount of volume and you, you really make a lot of food, you have to plan days in advance. Um, so for me on Saturday, we're cooking for Tuesday and I, you know, we're, we're always pushing forward ahead. So when I had to close down by an emergency, I throw away about $20,000 worth of food. Now it sounds like, Oh shit, you could have just gone and given it to anybody, but really at the time, Nobody really wanted COVID-exposed food. Exactly. So, you know, one time we closed, my slicer had COVID. Nobody wanted the turkey or the cheese. I couldn't give it away, right? Yeah. Yep. So um, that was, you know, the COVID, the COVID issues, besides losing a tremendous amount of my business and having to kind of reinvent retail, uh, which knock on wood we've done, I personally, I don't believe in delivery services for food unless the business is running the delivery. I don't use third party vendors for anything. Um, so I do not use DoorDash. I do not use Uber Eats. I don't subscribe to any third party vendor that takes a cut because I want to make sure that my staff is properly taken care of and that the delivery of your food is as perfect as I can possibly maintain. And then once it's yours, it's yours. You could do whatever you want with it. The way, you know, people, the way that people manhandle my sandwiches, a lot of people try to open them in the kind of like the, the, the nice cheesy kind of Instagrammable uh, kind of photographs and videotapes that I take look a little different than the people who, who present them on Instagram. But my hands are a little bit gentler with the sandwiches. Um, but, you know, I, I think that part of what, again, to attribute a lot of the success, a lot of the failures, a lot of the um, ups, downs, and otherwise, um, really, it, it's adaptation. And um, I'm forced to adapt daily. And, uh, you know, the supply chain issues and um, illness and sickness. And, and, you know, now people have post-COVID challenges. Um, so, you know, for me, the expectation is, is that anything could happen. And, and, and that's how I play every day. And so let's talk about... Um this a little bit how do you come up with the idea for your sandwiches i mean they're obviously different um you've talked about the bread so it's been years now so i mean do you allow people to suggest ideas or this is something that's like these are my set sandwiches or when you do catering these are the set items because you're talking about sustaining a business during covid you didn't use delivery services because you want to control the customer experience which i totally understand and agree with in a lot of ways if you have a foundation to do so and, and a product that carries its weight like yours does. And so 
how how do you come up with ideas to do it? I mean, you've obviously got people that come to you. You're obviously sustaining, um, and even with with help, you got through COVID. Not, I mean, a lot of people didn't get through that, um, especially in food. And and I can relate. All the podcasts, all of a sudden, everyone canceled it because they were too afraid to come on the podcast. And as a food producer, um, all of a sudden, we were sitting on tens of thousands of pounds of other people's food because they had nowhere to go with it. And right. so, um, you know, so I just want to tie it all together that one COVID two um, that you stay true to your brand and you want to control the customer experience. And then three is what's really driving all of this are these sandwiches, which is, you know, where do you get that inspiration from? How do you come up with these ideas um, do you have a team or is it all you? I mean, I'm curious because um, I, they're so different and they're so unique. So, you know, I am pretty much the, the, the brain mastermind behind most of the sandwiches. Um, you know, it's, we've talked for what, I, I don't know, a half hour. We haven't even talked about the food, but that's how it is. You know, I, I life has changed for me. So it, it, I've, now the menu currently um, is basically like the current menu online is just a, a a handful of the best sandwiches that we've done over time. Now, the one thing is that all the sandwiches have names and all of the names actually have some sort of creative meanings or. Yes, I uh, love this. I love this. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk about I, this. Go on. I love this. I love this so, this idea here. Um, the uh, you know most of the ingredients are chosen by me. There are a handful of sandwiches where people um, have created you know sandwiches in the past, and it's something that they either frequently ordered and became a something. Um, <laughs> yeah. For example, Armando on the menu. It's a uh, you know, turkey, bacon, avocado. The guy ordered it like two times a week for four years. And we were finally like, geez, why don't we just call this thing the Armando already? <laughs> and uh, so so that's how that one happened. And but but most of them are created by me or to remember an event. And uh, so the creativity comes from the name. And then usually I have something that aesthetically um, I, I want to try and I give it a shot and we run it as a special. Um, but a lot of the sandwiches that we currently do are proven winners in the past. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is either, uh, influenced by other restaurants, um, you know, influenced by other sandwiches, yeah. uh, genres, you know, the, I use a, there's a lot of genre in there, right? So I do a Chicago beef and I call it finer, which is, uh, one of my good friends from Chicago. His name is Mike fine. And, uh, the Chicago beef is kind of a deconstructed <laughs> version of the Chicago beef. So you get the gravy on the side and, uh, you know, so it's constructed for you to not get this moist dripping sandwich which I, I love the this, this standard Chicago beef, but again, I feel like my food has a certain level of eatability. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there's other ones that have 
you know, we do a meatball and I do a traditional Italian and I call it number one. Um, and then there's, there's other versions of it, but the, uh, the, the product is basically all created by me. I have trained a lot of people who don't necessarily have sandwich experience. So, um, most of the creative cooking input and output is, is, is from me, is from me. I'd say probably 99.9% actually. Yeah. And well, I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco, 24 years, um, in what would now be a previous life, I guess. And, um, and so I love this concept because it's just something that, you know, I've heard of what you're doing. Um, and I've, been around san francisco long enough to know there is a unique food culture there there is this creativity that grows there and this thing and it's what you're doing which i love the other part of it is i feel that you've done you've stumbled on something from a marketing and branding standpoint that is just so key in food one is you name the sandwiches which i want to talk about in a second and what your favorite ones are so i'm going to you know earmark that page there but the other part is Guys, there's a reason anyone in the audience who's a food entrepreneur or trying to figure out the food entrepreneur, there's a reason McDonald's names their meals. And no one understands this because you go and to whatever or what a Whopper is. It's because they uh, you know what it is by the name. You don't need to order that sandwich. So in the case, what they're doing here is you're creating a tie to a name. And when you give a name to something and you call it by a name you give like a comfortability to it and a familiarity to it versus just right. give me that beef sandwich. Okay. Right. So, or give me that hamburger. Okay. When you get a big Mac, you know, it's from McDonald's. It's not a Whopper from Burger King. Okay. So when you're getting an, you know, a finer, it's not a Chicago beef from somewhere else. It's just Chicago beef from deli board. And so right. I want to I want just to tie this together for everyone because what you're doing is just so important because you're tying a relationship with the food even greater beyond its taste. And you talked about it, which is the the taste, uh, the delivery, you know, controlling all of it. But something that's also happening with your brand is you're giving them a friendship, also by giving them a name. And McDonald's has done this. That's why I use them in Ronald McDonald and the Whopper and. And, you know, in all their characters, but it works for adults, too. It's why McDonald's now has an adult Happy Meal. And well, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the names, I mean, the name thing came from a restaurant in Cleveland named Tommy's. And, uh, you know, he he it's a there's a lot of influence from him. And the guy's been around for 50 years in a real hip neighborhood in Cleveland. And he names all his sandwiches. And it's heavy vegetarian, um, but it, there's a lot of influence. I mean, it, the food aesthetically doesn't look the same and it doesn't taste the same, but there's a lot of thought behind what he did. And um, yeah, the, the names are the names are amazing. Now, I, I will say that part of the name thing from a restaurateur perspective, again, it gives me a lot of flexibility. So. If I tell you get the Leroy Brown or someone says, I want the Leroy Brown, which is one of my favorites and really one of the, you know, aesthetically it can be absolutely a tremendous sandwich. Um, it's, 
basically, you have no idea what's in a Leroy Brown. So the way I always saw it was if they forget to put the one cheese in the Leroy Brown, it's got American cheese and Munster cheese. Well, it's got cheese still, so you don't know the difference. And I feel that if then you ordered turkey, bacon, cheddar cheese, mayo, mustard, and peppers, if you don't get the peppers, that is very, it's unforgivable. So part of, part of what I wanted to do was I wanted to make sandwiches that we were used to making and keep them consistent and continue to, to continue to have the quality as well as the architectural, uh, you know, advice of me, the chef, right? So I have kind of, I always took issue to somebody coming in and three meats, four cheeses, eight peppers, lettuce. I don't use tomatoes. So that is something that I don't mess around with on the sandwiches because of the, the number one, it's a fruit. And number two, they're too wet. Um, and number three, they don't belong on a, a hot sandwich, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, the, there's a lot of forgiveness in, in having the names and people kind of not understanding what's on it. But also, it gives my staff the opportunity, you know, they can nail a Leroy Brown. Um, and, you know, I have more confidence in, in them using the pastrami turkey and, and kosher salami on a Leroy Brown versus just making it without me showing them aesthetically what it should look like. Right. So the idea would be, I could actually take a photo of every sandwich that I have open another store and people would have photos of the sandwiches, what they look like. Right. It's either, it looks like one or doesn't. Um, so that was a lot of, a, a lot of that was to help customers guide customers into um, my products as opposed to trying to create their own. So I love that. And I think that in order to have and build a brand, you've got to stay authentic to yourself and, and what, what you're doing. So, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit more about this. So once you've had, you have all these sandwiches. How do you keep track of all of them? I mean, you have a bunch. You have a thing. You have a growing list. Is it something that you change and swap out, or is it something that you just grow? I, mean, I have, I have, kind of a master list, and then I have like mini lists that I've made throughout the years. Um, now my. Uh, my velocity on, on making sandwiches is a whole lot slower than it was in the beginning of time. Um, and now, you know, that's a, there's good and bad with social media. Um, but if I continue to create sandwiches, it simply adds confusion to the mix. Yeah. Um, obviously people use Instagram, um, but they also use Yelp and they also use Google and they also use, so many different places and I can't, they can't, we can't keep up with menu production. Um, I tell people that the Holy grail, sure. Deli board, you could see it on Twitter. You could see it on Instagram, Facebook, Foursquare, and every other Avenue. But 
I explain that the Holy Grail is my website. We update the website daily with specials. And then I have my menu on there. And uh, so that is where I recommend people look for food. But, you know, people don't, I, you know, they come with the Yelp open and Yelp says, you know, the, the way that the descriptors are of the photographs, one says Dutch Crunch. Dutch Crunch is a bread that we carry, but Dutch Crunch is not the name of the sandwich. Um, but so, you know, it, it does create confusion. There's no question about that. Um, but, you know, luckily, my I, I have a very um, knowledgeable staff that really enjoys the food. And we are we're very good at service. And I have trained all of my people, um, especially the front of house people, the value of, of customer service. And my staff doesn't, they knock it out of the park. They really do. And I think that that my passion is contagious. And just so the audience knows, if anyone's wondering where to get it and you're in San Francisco, you're located at 1058 Folsom Street in San Francisco, California, and you're open Tuesday through Sundays, 11 to 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., I believe, is the That's time. That's it. That's exactly right. 11 till 3. So we do a nice, short, four-hour service. Um, you know, one some of the things that we've gotten better at through COVID um, now if there's a line or there isn't a line, I know that your food is going to take anywhere between eight to 10 minutes. So, um, you know, we've had some success in being able to now predict turn times. Uh, my kitchen is not competing, uh, with catering and other food service options that are leaving the, the premises. So, um, that is one thing that now we've, we've gotten better at. And, um, you know, again, uh, some of the, some of the COVID challenges have turned into COVID success for us. Um, so, you know, that is one thing to note, regardless of how busy it is, my staff does a, a fantastic job. So, Explain, I mean, I think some people in the audience are probably going to wonder why the shorter hours. I mean, if you have this business and you have all the sandwiches, I mean, you're only open towards lunch. I understand it as someone in food and not wanting to work late hours sometimes. But what, I mean, what's, was that just the way it always was? You always wanted to be a lunch place. You didn't want to serve sandwiches for dinner. I mean, sort of explain the logic there because I, I, I feel like you have this great product. So... I have always, I mean, okay, so the, the business aspect of it prevents me from pushing the hours. Um, I have a small compact staff of less than 20 people. And once you exceed 20 people in San Francisco, it, pre it presents all sorts of different arrangements, different types of requirements. And I've never thought that it was beneficial for me to cross all those boundaries. Uh, yeah. Uh, Number one. Yeah. Number two, even with four hours a day, my staff preps for about, we work full time. Yeah. So I, again, I, I have always, you have to think of my version of restaurant. Imagine a, a bullseye or a target 
And I literally want to make sure that inside that target, it's done as well as I possibly can. And my staff works about seven, eight hours to do four hours of hard, fast, very, very well done lunch. Awesome. So we have we have come to terms with the fact that it's a better lunch product than dinner product. I have tried some dinner services and it just doesn't translate. Um, and you know, I understand that now it could translate in a different neighborhood. Um, there are some limitations about space and where I'm at in San Francisco. Uh, it's, it's less populated by residences and more businesses and, there's lots of different reasons, um, but what has worked is straight lunch, hard and fast. And I got to tell you, I work like 70 hours a week being open four hours a day. I don't know if I want to be open anymore. Yeah, there you go. I agree you know, with you. I don't know if it – I, 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 I kind of like the vibe, man. I'm a lunch guy, but I don't know if I could work any harder yeah. as I get older. I really don't know how much more I could work. I'm here. It's my day off. This is my my day off. I'm here to work for probably the next three or four hours just ordering food. I have to go to the bank. I mean, you know, the, they're minor errands and it's just small business bullshit. But any more of it, I don't really know if I could make it work. And... Through time, I feel that one of the successes of my restaurant is being open for one service. Yeah. And if I were to make any recommendation to any restaurant tour, and if they asked me, I would say, why don't you go hard and fast on one service instead of being open for eight hours? Why don't you try three or four first? Yeah. Try three or four first. If it works, do six. Now, Deli Board, when we opened, we were open maybe three days a week. I uh, I always thought that the foundation of something, the foundation of a business, the foundation of a relationship is so important. And I feel like food people are so pushed by public relations groups and, you know, Instagram and do more and make it cheesier and make it make it uh make it look better but forget that there has to be sustainability there has to be staff and there has to be a certain degree of of quality and consistency in order to stay in business um and i and i feel like people miss that the they miss the mark there I agree with you 100%. I think people try to give too much away. Um, and I think we try to focus too broadly on, on trying to give our customers too much. And we end up, a lot of restaurants or people starting off end up looking like a diner with a huge menu and all these options when they didn't stick to what they were good at, stick to the basics, and then scale it and keep it simple. One of the beauties I love about pop-ups is they only have restricted hours. And there's a lot of prep but it's allowing you to what you said to not be open all the time and work out the kinks before you go all in and then can't get, can't get out of a situation that you're in because you learned your lessons, but those lessons were at such cost financially that you right. can't recover. 
And well, so, I've had the other projects. So I've had other businesses in the area, um, all food, right? So I've seen the perils and I understand the turmoil. Um, you know, when I see these guys, again, a great pop-up, you see, you know, you let's say for you, you, you go to the, the farmer's market, it's a Sunday afternoon, and you're like, wow, you know, this guy's waffles are tremendous. Yeah. But instead of opening a store that can only feed three to five people every 10 minutes, they open a store to feed 500 people every hour. Yeah. And it's not able, you're not able to do it, but somebody sold them on the concept. And the thing is, is if there weren't so many third party meddlers in food, you would probably see this guy because of affordability. He would probably just go to the corner, buy a little store, start a little business and then grow from there. But instead, because of what the current market is calling for, he has to have the public relations agent. He has to have this. He has to have that. And because the costs start to accumulate, now all of a sudden, this guy has to sell 4,000 waffles a week. Yeah. And it, it changes everything. Well, and, and we it is, it is one of those things where I agree with you. I think that the world and being an entrepreneur and – in the space that you're in in order to be successful and then all the social media that has to go along with it not to mention you could have a thousand great customers but that one angry one or that one mess up it echoes through social media and you you do your best to correct it and and do it with the client but we live in a world where everyone's voice has gotten so loud that you're right you own you have to weigh everything you have to weigh what's going on in your social media world even if you don't have a social media account people can still tag your location do whatever on it so it's just weighing all that some of it's not even your fault or your your employee's fault it's just someone who's trying to make a name in food blogging because foodies are so popular and most of the time it's good but i agree with you when you're starting out there's so much weight of everything you have to manage and all the social pressures because that's the way it is right now when in reality it's still always the same since day one which is start off small and you've got to hustle and part of the problem is is what i like about this which is the three days a week is you can't and we just talked about this in the last podcast also is you can't build a business is all you're doing is in it cooking food you're never going to build a business so one of the lessons here is, is starting off small and learning how to balance out this new social media world how do i get my food out there how do i actually build relationships with clients because if i go too big too fast i miss the essential part of how do i even service my customers how do i get to know that because if you don't know that you can't scale your business and right and i i mean and that's you're right it's just there's so much to it and i you know again i uh you ask a restaurateur if they would ever do it again and they'd probably say it's no i would never do it again but again they have the bug in their system so they probably would do it again because the bugs in their system but it is a it is very difficult and I think just like, I mean, who knows where I don't see myself ever opening another restaurant besides deli board. Um, I mean, if the, 
occasion. I, I shouldn't say that, but you know, I, I've done cheeseburgers and I've done other projects and hot dogs and I love other sandwich products, et cetera, et cetera. And I've done Buffalo wings, all sorts of food, but I did make a nice cheeseburger at a store. Now, one thing is, is that even if the food is fantastic, then you have to run the store. So yeah. even somebody who's got experience can and 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 will fail. Um, but what I may do is educate in the future and try to help people with some of these challenges and issues. And um, you know, it, my my function in this restaurant world may sort of shift into consulting or uh, having conversations with people and, uh, you know, coaching people for success maybe and helping them get there uh, because it is, it is a lot, right? It's, um, and I, I've seen, I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen so many people fail yeah. um, and, and they're always very eager and it's, it's, it's an expensive failure, no less. And I wonder if maybe your niche is not actually sort of, let's say, hamburgers or hot dogs, or maybe it is, but there's a relationship you have with the bread and building it from the bread. I mean, a lot of people just try to build the meat and and bread becomes a secondary factor, becomes more of a transport. And while you want good bread, they don't focus on the uniqueness of the different flavors. And I, I don't know. I mean, because there's cities and towns that have such unique stuff across the United States. It just seems like you have such a talent for it that I wonder what that would lead to or a show or, you know, who knows? Consulting, I agree. But I just think you have such a talent for the relationship that the meat has with the bread that most people don't have. People think of, okay, it's the meat and then whatever, but people don't actually think about how do I enhance everything in the project. And you've done that both aesthetically, taste, and with your product. So, um, and obviously it's working because people keep coming and even with limited hours, you know, you guys are busting at the seams. So my question is this, you mentioned the consulting and you don't know what's next. And you're right. You opening another store seems crazy. And I know that the gentleman and his name, the chef, he just skipped my mind for some reason, but who started Bear Burger, he had other restaurants and he felt very strongly in the same way that we're talking about. So he only opened up one at a time being like, I want to perfect this and I don't want any others and I don't want a franchise. And if I can't run the store, they're not in New York. I don't know how to run them. And then he stumbled across Bear Burger by you know, trying to help fix a fallen down piece of property in a park. And um, so I think that there's opportunity everywhere. And for you, and if I'm just could do anything, what I love about what you do, and from a sandwich person, that's my number one food group, you have, I, I, I can't tell you how unique it is um, from okay. my perspective. And so I'm not necessarily saying the whole world needs to share it, or it maybe isn't you can dime down a few things or take your best sandwiches or whatever and whatever i don't know but there's something there that should be shared with the world and yep. everyone who gets to <laughs> yeah. san francisco should try the sandwich but i do feel it's a talent it's a taste and it's such a different perspective with the bread that i don't know and it's what takes interest in me and 
and my interest in life is not only doing podcasts and stuff, but it's like growing humans and uncapping people's potential. And I just feel like there's so much potential here, Adam, that it's just amazing. And so I I appreciate that. Go ahead. And you know what? I, uh, I get, if I had a dollar for everybody who's going to make me a million dollars, I would be so wealthy. Uh, But, you know, you know, for me, Look, I, I've always told people if I were to grow or if there was growth in place, it would probably be more over something where there would have to be an owner-operator who yeah. would want to be interested in, in really, you know, like either a chef or a manager, and we work together with financing. I mean, the reality is is that, yes, Deli, Deli, Board, Deli Board is an innovation. It's an invention the way that we cook the food, the way that the bread is cooked with the sandwich, kind of it's it's a kind of a, a graduated version of Quiznos, let's say. And I think that's what, you know, people, the, the, the food is hot when it comes out. So we do a handful of cold sandwiches, but the bread is heated at the same time as the meat. So the meat, the bacon, the cheese, um, if it's turkey, bacon and cheese, the cheese is melted, the turkey is warmed, and the bacon is, is, is hot when it comes out. And then it's placed on the bread, which is fresh baked as we heat the meat. So, um, you know, obviously because it's kind of style, styled like a Jewish deli sandwich, the turkey's not hot all the way through. But if you've got corned beef and pastrami or brisket here, it's hot all the way through. The cheese is melted. And, again, the bread is baked next to... Uh, the meat and then it's assembled so it's sort of a kind of again a a graduated version of what they would do at a Quiznos I'm not sure if Quiznos is still in business or um, there's another one Potbellies which is kind of more of a Chicago style version Um, yeah we still have a few Quiznos in Colorado I think so yeah they I don't I don't think that they were ever really popular on the west coast yeah no They, um, they have but they have a sandwich store here um, or we have one called Ike's, yeah. which is kind of similar to something in between what I do and what Quiznos does. It's uh, very vegetarian and vegan friendly. I'm not sure if he's in Colorado yet, but he eventually will be. His name's Ike, and uh, he has lots and lots of sandwich stores. And, uh, you know, again, I anything can happen. And I, before COVID, uh, there was... In 2019, I exited my last project, which was a business called The Board, and it was more of a lunch, breakfast, and dinner space. Um, but the uh, luckily, I was able to get out of there before COVID ever happened. It just wasn't really working out for me. Um, but it was kind of like a side project, and we knew it wouldn't be long term. Um, but the you know the at that point, pre-COVID, I had decided that I was going to focus on anything and everything deli board. So um, then COVID happened, and I've been able to really, really focus on deli board and the goings-on here. So I'm pretty comfortable and happy with where we're at. And, you know, again, I don't know exactly what's next, but especially the, you know, there has to be some value in opening another store for me. Yeah. Um, 
and and not just financially. I mean, I don't really want another headache. It's, <laughs> again, it's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. Extremely and hard work. Happens. So, you know, I see a lot of risk in it, and I don't. I I have a hard time understanding the reward. Um, so I've been pretty. Um, you know, I I entertain people, and and usually what happens is is someone then says, "Oh, I'm super interested. I'm super interested," and then they realize how much they have to charge for a sandwich because it is expensive food to put together. Um, they don't think that that's something they want to get into. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I feel that, um, you know, the, the food arena and the, the, the food industry is always changing and has seen some serious bumps and bruises. Who knows what's next? Um, and, uh, you know, again, I'm kind of a day-by-day kind of guy, so we'll see what happens. I think you're probably you're, you're ahead of your time a little bit and what you've done out there. And I think that no different than Nashville, hot chicken just exploded across the country. I think you're going to start to see like a lot of this deconstructed sandwich or sandwiches that are hot with the bread like you're talking about. I just think that... I'm interested to see. It's one of the reasons I was like, I really wanted to have you on the podcast is I think what you're doing out there is just so ahead of its time, yet the time is coming. And so I appreciate your time, Adam, and coming on the podcast. I and um, holy crap, what a story. And um, what a cool, cool person you are. And I just wanted to really emphasize this. You know who you are. And you know what you want to do and, and whether it's experience or exposure or education or any of the, the important things, it's you know what your business can do and can't do and you're not willing to overextend yourself knowing that food business, no matter which direction you go, is hard work. And the reason I like food and I like food entrepreneurs um, and I find myself going through a transition similar to what you talked about with the mortgage and I'm redoing my life. And I was like, do I want to stay in food? Because I have a lot of offers and things going in a lot of different directions. Do I want to still do the podcast? And it was an interesting thing because the farther I thought I wanted to get, get away with it, the louder that bug got that you talked about. And the more I'm drawn back into it and almost that bigger the fire has gotten to do more and give back and and really be an entrepreneur in the space and and do what I truly believe in the space that's one so I appreciate that inspiration um, and what you're talking about but I also heard what you said you had to do things during a time and take losses and have nothing which I also can relate to meaning what do I do now I have this but I need to pivot in my life and this is something that's interesting me and I can't let go of this calling in food and so that's also something that I think is just really something to pull out of this episode. So, geez, um, I appreciate it. I, I kind of went in a circle there. I don't exactly know what my point is other than that. There's always a long-term lesson in food. And if you don't realize that if I'm going to start as an entrepreneur now, even 42 years old, that it's going to be years before their success and stability. And even with that, the economy changes by the time you finally got stable ground under your feet in the food business. So you have to become really good at that space, really good at scaling the things that matter in your business. And while Adam hasn't scaled his business while doing multiple stores, what Adam has done is scaled the part of his business that mattered, which he had to dime down and focus on 
because of COVID, because of everything else, and even dimed it down to 11 to 3 p.m., 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. just for lunch. And so, Adam, I appreciate that, and I'm sort of talking at the audience while Adam's here, so sorry about that. But I just want to, it's so important, you know, as someone, you know, I was born in 79, so as someone who's lived their life in food and knowing that food at any point in time can change or life can change or the economy can change or government can change its policy, even with food, um, a lot. And it's just so important that you understand or prepare as an entrepreneur that you got to have flexibility while you want standard things and you need standard operating procedures in your businesses. When you work on your business, like you almost have to have the opposite. So you're almost two different people you've got to have in the business, which is, you know, this is what I'm doing. We're going to stick to strict hours and whatever. And then there's on the business, which is all the creativity that you're saying and all the think tanking, which is, you know, you were going to open another restaurant, but that didn't work out and COVID, you know, happened, but thankfully you were able to get out. So things like this happen, but it allows us to recess. And going back to the last episode, if you focus too much on in your business and you're in it running all the time, you're going to run yourself into the ground. You're never going to have time to work on your business because we just heard what Adam had to say. 70 hours when his business is open six days a week for four hours a day. So that's when you do something well, when you concentrate on it and Adam scaled down and dimed down and really focused on the sandwiches, that's how powerful focus can be in discipline. Um, so Adam, you really just hit a home run here and I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Justin. I, uh, I look forward to coming back and do a follow-up and find out where I am next time. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing part twos. They're my favorite because I love continuing to tell people stories. So, um, Adam, is there anything before we get off? You've been so great and give me lots of your time and we've went over, um, the recording time, but is there anything you'd like to share with the audience or any guidance you'd like to give? Um, and also just let everyone know where they can find you again on Instagram and social media, if you will. So Deli Board is in San Francisco at 1058 Folsom Street. And I can be found on Instagram at Deli Board SF. And uh, Justin, I appreciate the uh, time and energy and hope that I gave some uh, good talking points for people to grow their uh, futures. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Please share this podcast. Happy Halloween, since uh, we are recording on Halloween, and I will release it today. Um, So happy Halloween to everyone out there. Be safe. I hope there's lots of goodies out there. Hopefully people are getting creative and not just doing candy out there. I love seeing it, and it's interesting. And I'm sorry to take everyone's time a little bit, but Colorado and Denver really goes all out in Halloween, and I saw some of that in Georgia. But Denver is a whole other place when it comes to Halloween and how decked out probably, and all the food. Go ahead. You know, probably because a lot of people relocated from San Francisco to Denver. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Francisco, Halloween lasts for the entire month. I was, I mean, I'm tired. of It's Halloween today. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's crazy. And I agree it's with you on that. Too. It's crazy. And it's it's been a while since I've been in Denver for Halloween. Um, but 
holy smokes i've never i mean it's every ninth house is decked out i i mean they must have three four thousand dollars in halloween decorations and so um but everyone stays safe and i love seeing all the creativity i really do i'm just like you know getting away from just the traditional candy and and seeing what people have come up with and dishes and stuff on instagram and restaurants and people that are on the podcast and send me their ideas that they're doing it's just it's it's amazing and i love it so again adam thank you um and yes we will definitely do a, a number two and uh everyone enjoy halloween thanks a lot